Welcome to This Week in California Education, produced by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource, and I'm here with John Finswald, Editor-at-Large of EdSource. Welcome, John. Thank you, Lewis. Pleasure to be here. This week, we'll be looking at a proposal for a new and controversial school that the state would run with a science and math curriculum. We'll also talk about another controversial proposal by a lawmaker in Sacramento who wants to conduct audits, or at least have the state conduct audits, of several school districts to see if they are spending the funds they receive through the local control funding formula in the way they are supposed to. And we will also reveal for the first time the results of a survey that we conducted of the largest school districts in the state to see when they started school and uh, what difference that might make for kids and parents. Good. I hadn't heard that. So I'm looking forward well, hold to Hold on, it. John. Hold your... We, 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 will, we will get to it. <laughs> but before we get there, let's just talk about... Uh, Smarter Balance test scores, which were the state was supposed to release this week. I gather it's going to be postponed for a couple of weeks. Uh, what's the story behind that? Yeah, we did promise listeners we'd have those results last week, but the state then came out and said there was some problems with the data. It pertained to apparently special education students, which district they were assigned to, technical reasons. So they hope to get, the state hopes to get the scores out before the state board meeting in September, which is September 13th. So it will be late next week or early the following week. But just to clarify, these scores that the state would be releasing are the kind of the aggregate scores for the state, the subgroups of students, and also you'll be able to see the results of every school and every district, right? That's right. But the fact is that most schools already have the results. And in fact, many parents have received the results in the mail. That's correct. They've had, schools have had them for perhaps a couple months. But John, if parents and schools already have the scores, why are these particular set of scores that the state is going to release important? Yes, these will be the statewide totals and also enable parents to compare schools, schools nearby schools and districts, and see how they did compared with others. Parents' individual scores that they got for their children had no basis of comparison with the state scores. And this set of scores, I think, are particularly important because this is the third set of scores. The first year was the baseline. The second year, people said, oh, well, the students would improve because they're getting better at the test. Teachers know, know what's expected and so on. That's right. And the third year, I think this will give us some idea of trends. And so in that sense, those, the results of these, of the, these tests are going to be particularly interesting. I think where everyone is looking to see whether... All students will improving, but particularly whether there's beginning to be a narrowing of the gap between low-performing groups of children, African-Americans, Hispanics, and, and white students and Asian students. We like to see that narrowing, and so the hope is at this point we'll begin to see that trend. Although, if the past is prologue, the uh, last year when the scores came out, all the student subgroups went up a little bit. Uh, Asian students, white students, African-American and Latino students. And so actually, even though everybody went up a bit, the gap 
still remains was either hadn't narrowed or actually gotten wider in some cases. That's correct. And I think that there were some who felt that, in the, as you pointed out, in the second year of testing, there is usually a bump because students get used to the technology. People, This was the first online testing. They got used to a testing process, and so it's expected. Okay, well, it's going to be interesting when these results come out, and we don't know exactly when. We can't promise next week, but within two weeks, we should have something, according to the state. Okay, well, talking about the state, there's this very interesting proposal, John, that you wrote about, that uh, the state assembly... And legislation—is it—is it the in the legis in the assembly or the senate? It's now in the senate. In the senate, uh, this is a proposal to start a STEM, science, technology, engineering, math school that would be run by the state. Now, this would be very unusual because the state actually only runs three other schools: uh, two campuses of the California School for the Deaf and one campus of the uh, for the California School for the Blind. So what's this proposal all about? Yeah, this school, this state-run STEM school, would be actually run by a nonprofit organization and the state would oversee it. It would be distinct and it would be in Los Angeles. The sponsors, Raul Bocanegra, who is an assemblyman from San Fernando Valley, and Anthony Portentino, a senator from the same area, they want this open to all students, particularly aimed at low-income students and and a diverse students in L.A. County, not just L.A. Unified, which is one reason they say that they didn't do a charter through Los Angeles Unified. The question is, obvious question was, why, why isn't this a charter school? Why do you need to go through the state? It's a good question. It hasn't really been answered, I think, to a lot of people's satisfaction, except this would be an elite school. This would be a beginning and middle school, and these students would be, again, targeted for, for students who traditionally have not majored in STEM in college. We know there's not enough Hispanics, African-Americans, low-income students are majoring in STEM in college, and, and we know that the opportunities for jobs are there in California. So this would be in collaboration with places like Caltech, UCLA, and it would present top-quality labs and a new building in downtown Los Angeles. So it would be a very special school. I think the sponsors, and it's not really clear who's driving this school we know who supports driving the proposal behind this thing exactly we know who supports it who supports it well TechNet and la chamber business and industry say this is a great idea we like the idea it's not really clear who has been the organizing party behind the school that would happen if the bill is passed isn't eli brode uh, a supporter do we know what his role in this is i think the opponents and we'll talk about that in a second the opponents assume it's it's philanthropist uh, uh eli brode who has been a major backer of charter schools in la and a charter friendly school board in la he has said that if this proposal passes he would help fund it and I'm presuming then pay for the building and some other facilities. And they want collaboration with the elite universities of this state and produce students then for those universities. It is an unusual proposal. I think, my guess, is that they want more flexibility than they believe they can get through the charter process. This does seem to 
suggests a whole new way of running schools. I mean, schools are run by local school districts and charter schools. You can understand the school for the deaf, for the blind. I mean, these are students from throughout the state. No, no single school district could run those schools. So this wouldn't, wouldn't this be setting a precedent for the Absolutely. state to be running schools? Absolutely would be a, a precedent. And that's why there is strong opposition among school management groups like the California School Boards Association, the Administrators Group, also the unions, CTA and the California Federation for Teachers, as well as super, uh, Superintendent Michelle King of Los Angeles, who was saying, well, wait a minute, we offer lots of, of STEM programs, too. If you want to offer this, come to us, do a magnet through our district, do a charter through our district. That way it would be local control. This is creating a whole new brand of school. It's based and operated out of, I mean, it's supervised out of Sacramento. It would be if it was established. Yeah. Right. And it would be funded the supervision by the general fund, which is why the Department of Finance says it's not interested in it either. And just quickly, it is going through the legislative process on Friday. This is after we've taped this podcast. There's going to be a key vote on the Appropriations Committee. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, this has some strong backers, one of whom is Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon is also negotiating this. He hasn't come out and spoken, but in one of the hearings it said, one of the senators said, well, we know that Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon is also supportive of this as well and is helping with the negotiations behind the scenes. So I would expect it at least will get out of Senate appropriations and then go to the Senate. And it probably has momentum to at least then go back to the assembly. Well, very, very interesting that could set a whole new way of schools being run in California. Yeah, it's really good for the kids that they have this opportunity. And uh, it's the, you know, sort of the adults are saying, wait a minute, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it in this fashion? Aren't there other ways we can do it? Let me ask you about another controversy, which you also wrote about this week, John. There was a push in the legislature to do an audit of several school districts to see if they are spending the money they're receiving through the local control funding formula in the way they are supposed to be doing. Who is behind that? Yes, Assemblymember Al Moratsuchi, who is a Democrat from Torrance. He's a member of the Legislative Joint Legislative Audit Committee, and he was going to propose that they recommend or actually order the state auditor to do an audit of three districts. And I'm not exactly sure why he chose L.A., Unified, Fresno, and Folsom Cordova, which is near smaller district near Sacramento, to see if the money that they're spending is complies with the local control funding formula, whether, in fact, it's used for the students, it's targeted for the students who get extra money, low-income students, foster children, and English learners. So he was ready to introduce this, change his mind, when again there was huge opposition from school management groups and the unions. This is the School Boards Association, the Association of California School Administrators, CTA also? Yeah, CTA very much so, C uh, Federation for Teachers and the Association of Business School Officers all of whom said, wait a minute, you know, why are you doing this audit? Uh, there, are ways that, there are ways that you can see whether the local control funding formula is working. You can appeal it through the superintendent. There's no need for this. 
I think they're really worried of these kinds of audits because they're saying the local control funding formula is not measured in dollars for the programs, but in the programs and increased programs and services that you provide. That's the measure. That's that's the debate back and forth. Isn't this an issue that several advocacy organizations have been making for a long time, that they feel the monies are not being spent appropriately, are not getting to the kids that these funds are intended to? Isn't that what's motivating this? Yeah, but then again, uh, yes, you're right. The assembly member said, look, I was a school board member in Torrance, and I've spoken with people, and they're saying they really wonder. It's really hard to track this money. Is the money being spent for cross-the-board salaries for teachers, which is one of the things that he mentioned? We need more accountability. We need at least the data that these audits will provide. And, and what he told me was that, yeah, I withdrew it uh, last week, but I'm going to reintroduce this next year when our committee meets again. And I think it just shows the underlying tension behind this law that the legislature is beginning to get impatient because people tell them, you can't track this money. And the governor says, no, we don't want it. The bill, the law is written as we want it and let it play out. But this tension is there, and I think this is an indication of that. Okay, well, keep us posted. We are now here with Teresa Harrington, who is joining us again with another very interesting story she's been working on. Teresa, this is back-to-school week. For many years, many would be sending kids back to school next week after Labor Day. You and Michael Zinstein did a survey of the 30 largest districts to see when they actually started. And what did you find? We found that all 30 of them started by August 31st, which was a shift definitely for some of them from three years ago. Well, what what did we find three years ago? Three years ago, there were seven out of the 30 that were starting after Labor Day. And so there definitely seems to be a trend towards starting earlier so that they can finish the first semester before they go on their winter break so that people will, the kids will still remember what they learned for their final exams and they won't have to be working on final projects and studying over their holiday break. How popular is this earlier start? Well, it's it's still, I guess the jury's still out, you could say. I mean, some people think that it's a good idea because of what I just said, and also that it gives them more flexibility during the school year to have longer breaks um, at different periods of time, and also to end the school year earlier, which is what Santa Ana did, so that their kids could get a jump on getting summer jobs and internships before other kids get out of school. Okay, just want to clarify, school starts earlier in the year but they don't have more instructional days. Is that correct? Right. So most districts, I think, are back to a 180-day school calendar right now, but they do have flexibility in terms of when they take breaks. A lot of districts also were saying that they wanted to have a full week at Thanksgiving because when they only took the Thursday and Friday off, kids weren't showing up Monday through Wednesday anyway, and so they figured it was better to just take those days off during the school year rather than starting later. Teresa, shouldn't they offer more more instructional days? Why not lengthen the school year? I mean, you start early and give... I mean, we have this ridiculously long summer break, 
anyway you end earlier then you're still going to have this long break and we know there's summer learning loss why not extend the school year well some districts actually four districts do offer year-round schools i mean school calendars for their elementary schools but for uh, secondary schools that's more problematic and so there are some districts that are having school year-round basically with longer breaks in between um and in or in terms of having a longer school year you'd have to get more funding from the state and i think that's the big problem there you mean you'd have to pay teachers? You'd have to pay more. teachers and everyone else who works in the school system. Okay, so so the earliest start does not say anything about kids getting more intensive instruction. No, and then, you know, there is a question about facilities because in some districts that don't have air conditioning, they may not be able to concentrate as much as they could if they were in a, in a better environment. But most districts now do have air conditioning, and so I think that's less of a concern. Okay, well, very interesting. I sent my kid off to school this week at Berkeley School, so I know they started this week, and uh, apparently many other districts did the same. Yes, and actually in the San Juan district, it has been controversial, and they actually did a poll about it, and so they're going to be reconsidering their calendar in the 2019-20 school year based on the poll results. Okay, well, thank you for that story, Teresa. Thank you. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. We hope you're all enjoying your Labor Day. Please go to our website at edsource.org for more on these and other topics. And please remember that you can go to our website to find out more about our upcoming symposium on October 5th in Oakland on Education for All, Serving California's Vulnerable Children. We'd love to see you there. So thanks for listening. I'm Lewis Friedberg here with John Fensterwald. Our producer is Sarah Tan. See you next week.